was going to start. I would say the original dis-ease is the sense of being a self. When you were a kid, I don't know, I wasn't brought up in a scary environment. It was just typical lower middle class family. And so between like two and four years old, everything was really bright. Everything was just what it was. I wasn't walking around my house judging the sizes of the rooms or anything. And I didn't think, my mother wasn't too fat or not pretty enough for me. I just loved her. When I was playing, I'd just be totally absorbed in the playing. Because my head hadn't entertained a time yet that much. I didn't know like next week. And I definitely didn't have much of a past. So I couldn't be living in memory of days before when I played. So every day I could play with soldiers for like two years in a row. Every day with Wayne Griffith, my best friend. Just played the same 13 soldiers near an apple tree for like two years. Every day they just put us in the yard and we just played in our imagination. And at that point there was no discomfort, irritability or restlessness that much. When I didn't get what I wanted, maybe you'd flip out, but it would be passing very quickly. But then something occurred and I started growing into, it's almost as if the thoughts in my head got louder. Before they weren't that emphasized when I was a young kid. It was more playing and being engaged. And I didn't really think about loving my mother. I just loved my mother. Things started from love, not starting from thinking. Things started from here, not started from there and then. Which is where the thought system starts from. The thought system starts from the past. It does. It doesn't start from now. It pictures us as a body that was here before and will be here later. That's what it does. So it's almost like it was a slowly vacuuming up or a sucking up into a mental realm. And then life became a little bit, started being observed instead of lived. There was like a little critique or a little judger. And there was these vague feelings of something was really deeply wrong with me. I couldn't put my finger on it because I didn't have much history yet. I didn't rob any banks when I was five, six years old. I didn't do many heinous acts yet. But I felt really something was off. And that seemed to really agitate the thought system. There was a lot of thinking about the me and then the you also. They're both synonymous in a way. The me doesn't arise alone. It arises in relation to you. So my head started getting really active. And it was more became starting to do what James was talking about. It started becoming more of an observation of life than a living of life. And along with this sucking up in my head, I started to feel uncomfortable in my own skin, which is a real drag because it's the only skin you're going to be in for a while. Until they get to a point where they can totally change all your skin. Maybe they will. But at this point, you're in the skin bag. It's sort of weird to be uncomfortable in the only one you're in. And then you started to feel irritable, restless, and discontent, which is the root of alcoholism. On the sensational level, there's an unease. And that unease triggers a desire to get relief. And 
what marshals the ideas and the attention and the will to get that relief is the root of the problem, I'd say. It's the thought system. Yeah? So the thought system says, don't worry, I'll take care of this, but it's the what's producing the seeming problem. So that you can't rely on the problem to bring you a solution, though it will bring you many. It really will. It has uh, endless bags of solutions. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? And there'll be different categories. And there's one that sometimes you go to the end, near the end, which is spiritual solutions. But this, in a way, just as bogus as all the other solutions. <laughs> because this is a tricky little problem. The problem is, maybe when I was young, I really wasn't taking myself to be anything, which is that that's really closer to what I am than anything I've ever thought of after that. Yeah. When I wasn't taking myself to be anything, I was pretty close to what I really am, in a sense, which is awareness or consciousness or aliveness. Yeah. Then I started to take myself to be a lot of somethings. Yeah. And they had different degrees and shades, but they were all produced by a, a mental process through thoughts and ideas you know, and concepts. And as soon as my attention and interest left, let's say, the field of life and, and entered like the narrating booth, you know, like Howard Cosell you know, uh, narrating a football game, there's a, something's lost. The sense of the game's lost, really. You're not playing anymore, you know? You're thinking about playing. You're portraying someone who plays, but there's now a separation or a, a distance, and I would say that's really the rub, you know? Because there's a, that missing of something demands a seeking to find it. And this is where the selfing gets us totally engaged because it takes on the mission to find a solution to it. Yeah? It's now running around looking uh, and going through all these ways of getting some relief yeah? from self, but it's trying to get relief from self as self. Yeah? As a, as a, and the idea of self to me is a, not just a thought, it's a, it's a thought wrapped in a feeling, a vague sense of being a self, which is a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah. So the mind becomes conscious of, let's say, awareness or awareness, and it 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 produces a hypothesis that there's someone who's aware. Yeah. It seems logical. Hey, there's awareness. There must be someone who's aware because the mind thinks in subjects and nouns. Yeah. And when it sees doing, it it just has to find a doer. It can't just let doing be doing, you know? It can't let thinking be thinking. It has to be, it's got to be a thinker somewhere. It can't let feelings just be feelings. It's got to be a feeler, yeah? And that's its logic. It just can't, once it senses an activity called feeling, it immediately goes to there's a feeler. Once there's a noticing of an activity, let's say thinking, it, there's a thinker. When there's an activity of the body, it becomes I'm the one who's doing the, the activity. The body may be doing it, but there's a sense of the mind claiming to be the doer. And the mind's idea of you isn't all body. It's rooted in the idea of being a body, but it actually thinks it's not of the body. Because it basically hates the body quite a lot. <laughs> it's like it's sort of like if you had to get somewhere you wanted to go, but how you got there was a beat up pinto. You'd probably hate the fucking pinto, but that's the only way you can get to work. 
So every day you get in that pinot, and that's the way you travel around to where you want to go, but you're bitching about the pinot. It's not nice enough, not fast enough, doesn't turn good enough, yeah? So I don't find the mental process really loves the body, but it needs the body to present its little story, which is that I, the mind, is what's conscious. So it knows that wouldn't really fly because the mind can't be seen and consciousness can't be seen. But consciousness has got some oomph in the not seeing. Mind is just full of fucking hot air in the not seeing. It's filled with advertising. So it needs something substantial to sort of make the heist seem like it's logical. So it says, I am this. And it's Paul, this, that's thinking. It's Paul that's doing. And it looks like it because when an action happens here, it seems to happen through bodies, yeah? So it's an, it seems like a logical leap to go, oh, I am, the, I am the body because there's doing happening and there must be a doer. And it's not the body, really. And it can't be whatever that is. I don't want to talk about that, that nothingness of spirit that's everywhere in all times. So let's forget about that. It must be me. I must be the one that's doing it through the body. So this is my body. You know, most people don't feel like they're a body. They feel like they have a body. But what's feeling like they have the body is a mental process. It's not what you are. It's not spirit or awareness. It's a mental aberration. That's, its main movement is the claim. So it claims awareness, and it claims the body, which, is, which th- do, doing occurs through, and it weds the two and it makes a me. Yeah? This me is what it's obsessed over. It's totally obsessed over me. And if you really look at a me, if you take it at face value, it's a you. Your experience right now is this is a you. And you'll probably, no matter how, if you come back next week, this will be a you from where you are. You come back eight years from now, this will maybe be a dead you you're viewing. This I may be horizontal by then, but it'll be a you. And it's never going to be a me to you. There's already a me, and there can only be one me. <laughs> there can be thousands of yous, which everyone who's looking at this right now is calling me a you. That's your direct experience. Your direct perception is I'm a you. But I override all that evidence, and I say, yes, I know that you're seeing this, but it's me, really. <laughs> you don't understand. It's me. So when I do something crazy in the body... You don't understand, it's me. My intentions were good. <laughs> I really would rather be helpful instead of stealing your goods right now. Oh, all right. So should I judge you by what's actually happening, considering you call yourself the doer, or should I judge you by your idea of who is, who's doing the happening? Yeah? It's all fucking crazy to me. Yet, it will defend itself because it has incredible self-preservation instinct. It has no preservation instinct about the body. It will lead you down a road of ruin where you are, you're limping, you have abscesses, you're missing teeth, your liver is this big like a fucking basketball, and it will still be reveling in the me while you're living in a cardboard box. While you're strutting down 8th Street, you're thinking you're very special, I'm telling you. I'm sure you are. Because I, when I was doing it, I thought I was special. <laughs> so the me has very, it has an incredible defense against all investigation. Yeah. It will investigate other yous a lot. It'll take an inventory of every you it sees. But the me very rarely gets looked at. Yeah. It just, 
the looking sort of, when it goes there, it's stopped by this big sign, it's me. And so the attention doesn't burrow in any deeper. It just goes, oh, that's me. And it's been a very strong habit. And it's an assumption because there's really nothing of any content back there, nothing of any weight, yet the attention never goes through it. It sort of gets, it hits the billboard of the mind and shoots right back out. Yeah? So now it's attending to everything, and when the atten- and the, you know, the flow of information is both ways. So I, I'm a, I see something, and then information comes back, but it doesn't come back in a, like a fluid, like circular form of, of knowledge, like going like this. It hits the billboard of me, and now it's me. Everything that I seem to meet, it's only me that's meeting them. So in a way, this becomes the center of the universe. The center of the universe in a very s- small mental universe called self-centeredness. It becomes the center of it. So every day, it's me that's having the day. And I can verify it because I have pictures of the me, which is the body. That's all you see. When I show you a picture of me five years ago, it's a you to you. Where's the me? You'll go, no, 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 look. This is me when I was a kid. That looks like a you. (laughs) I've seen thousands of yous in little baby form. What's the difference? But it's me. You don't get it. All right, let me get closer. This is a bo- more proximity to how I look right now. This is me from a year ago. It still looks like a you. Yeah? Oh, you go, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's you. That's me. Eh? That's you. No, yeah, but as soon as you go, that's you, I hear it as me. It's incredible, right? That's you. If I hear it, that's, oh, that's him, James, I got it very clear. He's a you to me. But when you're going, oh, that's you looking at me. It goes, that's you, that's you, that's you. Me, ding, me, ding. And it's, <laughs> and what happens when the me dings, it reverberates, and the attention and interest follows every fucking reverberation. Because it's your, it's your, your attention and interest, which is either enriches or enslaves your life, is enslaved to that idea of you as the liver of this life called me, yeah? Now, what we're saying is, this is like a trinity in a weird way, of, an, of like a like an, an affinity, a, a trinity of a delusion in a sense. There's I, which is valid, I'd say. Everyone, it's very difficult to say you're not on, you know? There is something that's am, animating you, yeah? We can call it life or prana, the energy of all energies, but what the hell does that mean? You really don't know they're just names, so that there's no need for more investigation. But when you go prana, what is that? Oh, it's some form of energy that animates everyone here, like electricity would animate all the light bulbs in this building. Yeah. Oh, oh, now I understand. But you really don't understand. It's just a name. That's all right. Now I don't have to. All right, I know now. All right, that huge question is done. Prana, energy. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so. So let's say this is I, let's say that animating principle, I would say, has a quality of being conscious or aware, yeah? Like an awareness. And it's not of a thing, obviously. Because if it was, you would call it yourself. That would be your, uh, in this logic, you would immediately know, beyond a doubt, that was you, if it was a thing, yeah? It's difficult to recognize it when it's no thing. Yeah? But you, would, if it was a thing, if awareness was a thing, you would go, that's me. When it was 
singing through you all day, you would be going, that's me, obviously. There would be no confusion. But, so the eye is sort of nebulous. You can't quantify it or add it up or subtract from it. It's just what is, let's say. You can't do justice. And then there's the you, which is seen. I perceive yous all day. I can actually perceive this you by looking in a mirror. The ability of the mirror to reflect reflects this you. But when I usually see it, it's called me. If you walked by and looked at the same mirror, that you that I would be seeing, I would call you. There would be no delusion. There would be no confusion. Hey, get away. You're getting too much me here. This mirror is only room for one. Get away. I'd get confused because if two twos, which one is the me? I mean, they both look like me in a sense. They don't have the same features, but they've got the same body shape. So it would be confusing. All right, so get out of here. All right, me. So everyone's seeing the you because we're perceiving things here. So this you, this object, this body is perceived. Now the I, I would say, is the energy or the awareness that allows perception to occur. Let's say it's spirit or the animating principle or all there is, whatever. And then there's a mental process that recognizes or becomes sentient to this fact of awareness and comes up with a very logical idea. Well, listen, I'm not that, but I am that. I'm not the body, but I am the body. I have a body. So let's blend the two. Let's make the qualities of this nothingness. Let me put them into the qualities of this thingness, and therefore I can claim spirit. I can say I'm the one who's seeing. I'm the one who's feeling. I'm the one who's tasting. I'm the one who's touching. I'm the one who's thinking. I'm the one who's doing all of this. I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm the one. And I'm going to use the body as my reference. So this is the truth that I'm that because I'm this. So the I and the you get wedded, and then the me appears. The me didn't appear until about 18 months, supposedly, in your development when you're a baby. So the me starts to appear. Now the me, when it appears, the mind's attention and interest starts getting drawn into its little vortex. It becomes almost like a new planet, and it grows. It gets more mass by the interest and attention. The more interest and attention builds, the more it seems like it's so. And the more and more and more interest, the more it seems like it's so. Then it starts producing its ecosystem, which is irritable, restless, and discontent. There seems to be something lacking. And now the planet is trying to get out of this little plate. It wants to get out of having all these asteroids and all these moons orbiting it, but it can't get out of them because it's holding all that asteroids and moon in place. It's its gravitation that's pulling it in. So what I'm saying is self-centeredness is an unreliable system. Self-centeredness is a very, very biased guide here. Self-centeredness doesn't know how to navigate the unknown. Self-centeredness is a failed system. It's, it's filled with excuses, rationalizations, and blame. Only something that fails to deliver the goods would have tons of excuses, yes, blames, and uh, rationalization. If it could deliver the goods, there'd be no need for an excuse. Just like if I delivered furniture and I never missed an appointment of a delivery, I would, I would have no excuses why I couldn't make the delivery because I made the delivery. 
Yeah, I wouldn't have to rationalize, oh, it was the traffic that stopped me, because I made the delivery. And I wouldn't have to blame, oh, you know, they stopped me from bringing, because I brought it. This is what it's like. Soon as the mind can, it doesn't even do anything. There's just a recognition that I'm not that, that center, that, that all that information, it's almost like a helicopter blade, if it's followed so much, it seems to be a solid thing. Yeah, It pr- produces a sense of being a someone. That someone is never seen. You never see what's seeing. You never hear what's hearing. You never feel what's feeling. You never can think about what's thinking. It's impossible. You're never going to see what's thinking. Yeah, But all of this claiming, all of this, oh, that, therefore this, that's what it does. Doing, therefore doer. Thinking, therefore thinker. Feeling, yes, I can't, I cannot deny feelings, but there, therefore there's a feeler. Yeah? This is, well, we're not saying trying to corral your feelings. Maybe just let them be feelings. And, oh, that would be so much work. Absolutely not. Because that's what they are, their feelings. It's, what all the work is, is when it's my feelings. When you try to capture a feeling and put your little brand on it and put your little saddle on it so you can ride it into your story, that's a lot of fucking work. It really is. The same thing with thinking. We're not saying stop thinking because that would be a thought. We're saying maybe, just maybe, you're not the thinker. So we're leaving the little maelstrom which there's no solution in. Self can't get out of self. There's no way you're going to stop thinking. You're a thought in and of itself. How's a thought going to stop thinking? It's not the doer of the thinking. It's one of many thoughts. How can one thought stop other thoughts? Yeah? But this is, maybe, just maybe, I'm not the thinker. And you know what? It's really not a wild assumption. It's actually close, it's, it's much quicker and closer to the truth than all your fucking mental assumptions. Yeah. Your ment- our mental assumptions are insane. We assume that we can be out of the moment we're in. We can. We write tons of stories. Oh, I wish I was in the moment. I wish I could enjoy life. Give me a fucking break. How could you be out of the moment? No one here has ever been out of one moment they've been in. Not once. I don't care. Oh, but I was thinking so much Saturday. It was like I wasn't there. It was like you weren't there, but you were there. (laughs) It seemingly was so, but it isn't so. Seemingly means it appears to be true or false to you. It seems to be that way, but it isn't that way. Yeah? It is one way, and the mental process is in a huge amount of denial of that one way, because if that one way was acknowledged, it would realize it has no way. Yeah? And there would be radical freedom from the bondage of self. So let's just start with thought. You're gonna, there's going to be a seeing of thoughts, a lot of them, all day. Yeah, Some will be emphasized because they fit into the little scheme of the mind, how it's producing a sense of you that day. Some will be forgotten, only to be brought back and be emphasized at another time. Yes? What? Just what would happen if... All right, let's just acknowledge what happens. Actually, it's more like a hearing of thoughts, isn't it? And the thoughts are in language, aren't they? They saw it, and they sometimes have, have your soundtrack, your voice. Yeah. What you call your voice, the voice that comes from this body, which is just coming from a body, 
But because we're identified and we use the body for recognition, we call it my voice. But it isn't your voice, obviously. The voice is produced by vocal cords. This neck has nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? It's in and of itself activated all day, digesting, breathing, coughing up stuff. You know what I mean? It's not informing you, informing you of, or asking your permission. Can I cough up? It goes, you know, can I throw up now? It usually just does what it wants to do. Basically, your seeming control is very, very minimal. It's mostly here in your head. You have very little control of most of your activity of the body except for breath. You have breaths half voluntary, half involuntary. That's the only major process of the body that even has any kind of voluntary situation. Yet, so here's, where was I? The throat. Where was I? What I was doing there. Oh, oh, yeah. They sound like you, yes? And they're in language, aren't they? So they've been conceptualized. And that language is very tricky because the basis of the language, it's a subjective language, yeah, used by objects. So the body is an object, and the brain is part of the objectiveness of the body, yeah? And the brain is facilitating thoughts, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the body and the brain, you would say, are producing thoughts, yeah? Now, the mental process, which is one part of the brain, is this, it has an incredible movement called claiming. So when it, when there's the awareness or the consciousness of the thoughts, which is conscious contact, yeah? You hear the thought, and you hear it in a tune that's, that has been written in the musical laws of this world, language, concepts, yeah? So the information is conceptualized, and it always points to you as the subject, yeah? The object takes itself to be the subject, yeah? So we use the word I a lot, me, you, doer, haver, you know? And it's very difficult to speak any other way, because it always goes, there's always a you, no matter what you say. Like, in recovery, a lot of people go, they're sharing, they go, for me, it's always back to you again. For me, you know, my, my experience, for me, it's this way. I feel like, yeah. So this language is like the trance-inducing activity, yes? How the trance works isn't the trance itself, it's the act here, it's the my of it. It's when the mental process claims, claims the thinking, and uses the thinking to, to infer or point to a phantom thinker. That's the bondage of self. It's not the thoughts that are bonding us, it's the feeling of being the thinker of the thoughts or being the object of the thoughts that bond us, yeah? That's what bonds our interest and attention. Our interest and attention would notice these thoughts very easily as the same old, same old thoughts. But the you has to be produced anew almost every second. So the same old thoughts have the same old purpose, but what arises is a feeling, it's a new feeling that's produced, a feeling of being you, yeah? That feeling of being a self has to be produced, and so the feeling that's produced with the use of the old is sense, it's like a new feeling, yeah? The new feeling is you're a historical person, but you don't have a historical feeling. It's a new feeling that produces a sense of being a historical act, action figure. That's what it does, yeah? So the thought system is used by this mental process, but through claiming it, by saying these are my thoughts, to do what? To reinforce the idea that there's a thinker there. And that thinker is gonna be a mixture of the I and the you, not totally the I nor the you, but really all of me. 
The me is the main emphasis, yeah? The me. That's what it does. So you would think some attention would go to the eye if there was like, if life was happening, some attention about life would go to the eye and that's where it would rest a lot because it's in, that's in and of its own nature. Attention is not a thing that's, yeah? And then some attention, because we're in this action figure game, would go to the you. Yeah? And through that balancing, the I would be noticed and the you would be attended to, to the level it had to be attended to, for, to facilitate a sort of harmonious life. Yeah? Seems pretty beautiful system. But the me has sucked a lot of attention that would go to the I. Yeah? Because we're aware of the conscious contact, but we take it to be us. So it claims the attention that was going to the eye and puts its little picture in front of it. Now it's going to me. It claims the body as something I own. And when push comes to shove, it's me, but then it's not me. But, you know, it's mine. It's like a piece of cattle I have. Yeah? I may want to wash it, but then fuck it. You know, it doesn't work. So now the attention and interest that would be balanced, let's say, and you'd be attending to your body functions and be interested in space and love or whatever, is now mostly enslaved to the idea of being a you, which is a me. Yeah? How's it working out? It produces, well, it's a great consumer condition because we're seeking now constantly to get relief from this predicament, yeah? But we're trying to get relief from the predicament as the predicament. That's the dilemma, because we become identified with this phantom. So all the pointing, it just immediately triggers an assumption, oh, it's me. We very rarely in our lives have ever been directed to look that way. Really. You know, some great teachers have come and, and offered a very nice uh, tradition called self-inquiry. And if you've never done it, it's very novel, because you'll notice your attention has just been streaming outward, and when it goes back, it goes back to the me, yeah, that you're calling, a, you know, you or me. But it's going back there. It's very, uh, it's never really looked through that and gone into its source. It's always stopped at the billboard and used it like a trampoline and bounced back into, all right, I've got to find more shit for me to be better. I've got to find a way to make it better for me. I've got to go out there and find a path that me, as me, can get out of me which is an impossibility. <laughs> because every time, if you take a two-year class of how to get out of you, that would be obsession with you, in a way. So even the paths to get out, really, if you look at it, are another way of being in. So it's really, to me, very important to get self can't get out of self, because it will really change the direction of uh, attention. Yeah. Once the system st at least stops and it's not pouring out all day and going to this, maybe it just gets uh, suspended for a little while, things can really clear up quickly. When all that agitation, all that seeking, all that movement that's dragging your attention with it because it's you that's seeking, it's you that's moving, it's you that's doing, if that's suspended by a little bit of investigation, the whole system can reconfigure. The attention... Uh, unshackled can really do a number very quickly. You can open up to a download that can change your whole life here in like a nanosecond. Literally. The mind can just snap out of something because inherently it's never really been in it. Yeah? That's the real solution. 
The real solution is what we're trying to get out of is an impossibility that we were ever in it. It's an impossibility. Just like it's an impossibility that you could be out of the moment. Yeah? So why are you trying so hard to get in it? And it's really an impossibility for us to be in self. We can appear to be in self. Our attention can be rolling with it and following it like a dog nipping at someone's heels. But we can't actually be in self. We are inevitably the seeing of everything. Yeah? And no matter how much the seeing of everything gets distorted to where we take ourselves to be one of those everythings that's being seen, it can't actually make it so. The seeing is never going to become unseeing to become that which it's taking itself to be. Yeah? It just It's an impossibility. Nothingness can't lose its sense of nature of nothingness and take on completely the nature of a thing. It can appear to, but it can't, it can't actually do it. Yeah? That's the freedom. So no matter how great the, the production is, you have to realize what's making the movie really good is the audience. Because when you wake up, or when there's an event, or whatever you want to call it, it's not when you wake up, it's a possibility, there can be a seeing at any moment. When there's a seeing, you'll see it as a movie, and a pretty tinny one at that. Yeah. So it wasn't the movie that was entrancing you, it was you in the position of being an audience. Yeah. You sitting there watching it as if it's happening to you or you're the one that's seeing it, yeah? That's the beauty of the message is if I'm not that, then there's no real inherent need to get out of what I can't be in. That's the freedom from the bondage of self. To me, the bondage of self is the constant activity of trying to get out of what I can't be in. Since I was five, six years old, I've been trying to get out of what I can't be in, yeah? That's why it wasn't successful. Now, self-centeredness, every time it's not successful, you'll be the one who's blamed. The, the system will never be really looked at, yeah? Because the system is based on self-centeredness, so you'll always be at fault in a failure of the system. The feeling of being the one who didn't do it well enough or hasn't worked hard enough. Like, we were at this talk in Massachusetts, and a guy was saying he went to this martial art thing, and they had him stand in one position for 17 minutes. And they said, if you stand there for 17 minutes, you know, something's going to happen. Yeah? So he stood there for 17 minutes, and, they, and he was sharing that nothing happened. So he asked me, what should I have done instead? I said, you should have stood there for 18 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> then it would have happened. This is what it's like. Yeah? Got, the system shows us it's a failed system, but we keep hoping beyond hope that it's going to work. If I just do more, and all the sense of being the doer is just the system itself. The feeling of being the doer, and therefore from that feeling you say, i got to do more, that's the activity of the system itself. There's not a point where the activity of the system itself is actually your activity. There's not a point where the system's activity stops and your activity begins. What you are doesn't have an activity, except awareness, yeah? So the system's activity is what we keep going back to and relying on as us. So when a lot of us gets shown not to be us, we go back and hunker down in another us. Yeah? And when that's revealed not to be us, another us. And then we'll say this. So to dispute these, the obvious evidence, we'll start saying there's an authentic self. Way, you know, after the 30 layers appeal, there'll be that me, my authentic self. It's just a way of the system extending itself. Yeah? 
instead of realizing, so when was it the last time you just sat there and you realized something didn't work and you put it down? Hey, this doesn't work. No resuscitation, no trying to resurrect it, no trying to, you know, let's pump more stuff in it. No, there was a recognition, hey, this has failed. Let me stand here with my pants down and see what happens. Instead of immediately going on and putting another pair of pants on, I'll do more, I'll turbocharge Buddhism, I'll, you know, mix Kabbalah with Tantra and some Hatha yoga and then some uh, Pilates and some vegan, some fasting, maple syrup with ginger, garlic, and, you know, on and on, trying to just keep adding more ingredients to the mix. It's not cooking. You know, fucking put the put the spoon down, the ladle down, and just recognize something maybe. It was forced on me. That's what happened, you know. I was involved, happily involved in exploring the idea of not being me. <laughs> With a number of people who were safely exploring the idea of not being them. With no intention of ever... <laughs> but suddenly it, it really dawned on me I'm not that it was unbelievable and I was sitting with all these people that had were trying to understand they were that and I said but I'm not that <laughs> my pants were down my last identity was stripped away because I was that terrible house painter really I had nothing else to hang my little egoic hat on so I thought I was a good spiritual seeker suddenly that rug was pulled out from underneath me I had nothing my head trying to grab I mean what am I going to do do more meditation nah you know read a, read an older scripture nah travel somewhere else some exotic place to meet some guy who doesn't talk the same way nah what am I going to do I don't fucking know I'm going to have a lot of time on my hands <laughs> so, so there had to suddenly the unreliability of the system was so obvious something had to re, there was something that had to be relied on but it couldn't be seen and I wasn't going to hear it language wise concepts weren't going to soothe my little mental brow yeah just going to have to sort of go with the uncertainty and see what happened and it was weird for a year or so I swear it was a weird feeling because I I, you know, in recovery, we talk about the fourth dimension, which is like the spiritual, you know, you get rocketed into the fourth dimension. And here would be like the third dimension, yeah? So I'd be at meetings, I'm going, oh, yeah, I know, I definitely know I'm from the fourth dimension, but I'm having a hell of a time in the third dimension. <laughs> it's, no, it's not integrating well. <laughs> I just felt very, very flipped out. Wasn't sleeping, spasming, crying and laughing at weird times, you know? And, uh, what the hell's up, you know? And uh, but it was almost like being pregnant. After nine months, I swear to God, it felt like a, some kind of pregnancy. After nine months, something was given birth to, and then I got more relaxed. And I'll tell you, it was like uh, all the uncomfortability was that inherent uncomfortability. It had to be shook out so I could get relaxed, you know, to a point where I could accept the relaxation of a level of ease and comfort. Because you're not going to be able to enjoy it in agitation. Yeah? It has a total, like, uh, no, 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 no to a lot of seeking. It's like, no, no, effort ain't going to be, is not going to play effort here. You're not going to accrue value here. This is about nakedness, in a sense. This is about just, yeah, yeah, see what happens. 
can hold on, you drop onto levels of relaxation that you couldn't get produced through the body by 10 massages in one day. You just get to a point of relaxation where the constriction of the system of mind, all that attention and interest crammed into a failed little thought interpretive system starts leaking out and now seeks enrichment from other than self-centeredness. Feeling the space, recognizing no things, sensing a presence, all like that. It's the same interest and attention. It's just been freed from the slavery of the bondage of self. Now it enriches one's life. The you is doing a lot better under its tutelage than it ever did as me. When it was me, man, the you was fucking lost. I took... There's this one time my stomach bothered me for a long time. So was the story since I was young. And I wanted relief, which just seems like a natural desire. So, yet I had absolutely no wisdom around it all. So someone told me there's these probiotics that will help your digestion. And the highest form are these ones they make from Canada. Of course they sell them at Whole Foods. Like $48 for like six of them. And they got 50 billion beneficial flora in there. So I started spending a lot of money drinking this stuff religiously. Every day for like a year and a half. So I have a lot. I think, is it working? I think it's working. But no, it really wasn't fucking working. But my mind just couldn't get that. I just kept buying more. All right, I'll drink two of them a day. I'll put 100 billion of these things in there. So there was a place you could send your shit to and they study your shit. Smoky Mountain Labs. It was the highest, best known one in America at the time. East Coast. So they sent me little specimen jars. I took three shits, put a nice little chunk of it in there, sent it back, and I checked out this box that what I'd ask them to look for. Parasites. They must be parasites in there. I don't feel good. All this stuff. So they did. They do a really incredible thing and they sent back the results. I was really keen on checking this out. I open it up and I'm looking at it and it says, all right, signs of beneficial flora. Zero. Zero percent. There's not one beneficial flora. Not one of those hundred billion cells of bacteria I put in. Not one survived. And actually, what was bothering me, that was its gourmet meal. It was eating the, the beneficial flora. All the while, I'm under the, from the world of me, I think I'm really doing something good for the you. It was totally the opposite. I was giving it like fucking gourmet food every day. And it was the bacteria that were hurting me were getting huge, like super. <laughs> this is like any life run on self-will will not be successful. It doesn't have a flying clue what's going on. It has no idea about the you, and it has tons of ideas about the I. None. The me has no idea about the you. It doesn't know how to fucking open up to the intelligence of the body, because it thinks it's the one who's intelligent. And it will not brook any god that's bigger than it. When you're not a god, and you want to be a god, you got to play god all day. That's what me is doing. Yeah? It plays god. Now, when that was sort of kicked off the throne... The you's got its intelligence. I've met a, a, a lady that knows how to read this you better than the me ever did. And I follow her suggestions, and the you's thriving under her tutelage. The I now is just free range. It's just roaming around, you know, just attending and interested in things all day. Never losing the sense of its own nature. Because it's not me that's interested. It's not me that's attentive. It's just attention and interest coming from awareness, Yeah.
the middle man has been taken out. Seeing is what's happening. There's no fucking seer. If there was, you'd be able to see it. <laughs> if there was a seer, someday you'd be able to see it if you're seeing all day. But there's no seer. There's just seeing. Yeah. There's no noun. You're not, a const- you're not a structure of language. You're not a noun. Yeah. You're not this little nebulous noun that doesn't even want to be a fucking noun. It wants to be spirit, but it isn't. It's a mental process. Yeah? It can't be this in the spirit realm. It can't be in, totally in the physical realm. It just, it's just like in a mental bardo in a way, sucking up attention and interest. So it gets to feel like it's something. And what allows it to feel like it's something is because of what you are, not what it is. It's vacuous and empty. Yeah? Filled with tons of meaning, but there's no inherent substance to it. It's just yapping all fucking day. This is going to be terrible to me. (laughs) I mean, how incredible is it that the me thinks itself to be so important it's worried about what's going to happen to it when the you isn't, nor is the I. But the me is totally obsessed about what's going to happen to it later on (laughs) because it's the only apparition that lives in the mental realm of time. The body doesn't, and nor does the mind. I mean the eye. They're not of time. This is of time. This little mental process. And it tries to apply time to the body and to the eye. I'm going to grow wiser. Wise wisdom is available. It's actually the cleanest and clearest from a three-year-old, a two-year-old. So if you can recognize that what we're taking ourselves to be is just a production, then maybe it won't be taken so seriously. And you can travel lighter with your days. You're going to be traveling here. This thing's going to have to happen. Time's going to go past. The body's going to seem to have effects on it. Yeah, because that's how the mind construes this place. But the fact is, you can travel lighter every given moment. Yeah. Because this solution is not from time. It's not produced in time. It's not circumstantial. It's not situational. It's available wherever you are. At every time you seem to be. Now that is reliable. And your mind will show it when it rests in it. Your mind will start enjoying peace of mind. It will start chilling out. Its agitation will be put to rest. Yeah? Because now it won't be self-centered. It will be centered on something that's already so. It's not, in the, it's not on a mission to become more so. It's not on a mission to uh, you know, reach climax. It's not on... A, uh, a mission to acquire a certain amount so it ends up being something. We're living in a place that says you can do and have yourself into a state of being. We're saying why not switch that, start with the state of being, and then see what happens with the doing and having. Yeah? But to do and have yourself into being is a failed system. It ain't going to work, obviously. Yeah? You think, if you believe you do and have yourself into being, and then someone says one thing about your being. Oh, you're not that good at that. It's the being just cracks, doesn't it? Like like uh, weak glass. Oh, you're not really a good surfer. <laughs> yeah, but what you are can't be cracked. What you truly are, rest there. Yeah, why not? So there. Man, it's cooking today. Any questions? Anyone agree or disagree? No? Agree? Oh, good. (laughs) Yes?
not that. The Buddhists have a saying, thou art that. It's obvious they're talking about something else. They're talking about the I, I guess. Yes, I would say so. They're trying to indicate that. You can't talk about it. That's why I don't like going that way. You can talk about what you're not. We're doing it all day. That's what most of us do all day, is talk about what we're not. Let's talk about what we're not in a different way, you know? More with a questioning, not with an assumption that it's so, but maybe a suspicion. See if what you call you are just activities that are being claimed. Maybe what we call us is just activities that are being claimed and put to a certain use. To sort of mirror or reflect an idea that can never actually be seen. No matter how many times you call you up to the mat, you're never going to show up. And if you say, oh, when you as a body shows up, that's not actually you. Even your head doesn't believe it's you. It says, I have a body. What is that that has the body? It's all, this is an assumption. Tons of stuff is said, felt. It's like selectively produced, picked, and they're all used to create like this arthritic pointing at this phantom noun. And so we're starting from the assumption. We're not even questioning the activity. We're not questioning the process. Most of us start from the assumption. In other words, the process is pretty much over. It's just doing its thing now. It's already produced the goods, the feeling of being a you. This idea of being me. You're living from there already. We need to question that, see if we can sort of cut off its supply line. And maybe if the me is left without its supply of pointing and indicating, inferring, you may see it as nothing. And then you can be free from it, free from this illusory bondage. So you can get on with Saturday or whatever day you seem to be in. Yeah, why not? How many thoughts do you need to navigate today? Have you looked at it? How many really? 20? All right. $5, bridge, toll, surf, this, that, that, this. Yes? What are the other 8,000 thoughts doing? They're just constantly, it's like singing the golden oldie of Deb, Chris all day. Jesus Christ. And then you'll be bitching about it, but if anyone tries to remove the needle, hey! Stay away from there. It gets really good at the end. Everything's going to work out. No, it doesn't. It's like a country western song. So we'll end, we'll pass the basket. Chris, can we use your cheapo hat? Thanks.